This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crown, joined here by my ingenious co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. Ingenious. Ingenious. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, if everybody could see my blush. Oh, she, she's fanning herself now like, <laughs> like a southerner. Like a debutante. <laughs> it's so funny. I had this phase in high school where I pretended that I had a southern accent. Like really, I was actually a Girl Scout camp counselor, and one new like group came in, and I just spoke to them in a Southern accent. Oh my gosh! Did anybody ask you where you were from, and did yeah. you make a backstory too? Yeah, no, I did not make a backstory. <sighs> if I was called on my accent, I'd be like, "This is this isn't real." Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I can't. Oh, you can tell that 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 comes from your theater background. My theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just liked it. I don't even think I could do it now, though. It would sound so so weird. I think if I do it, it's it's by accident. Like the only time I ever remember doing something like that um, and being called on it. Mm-hmm. So we went on a vacation when I was much younger. Like, I, I don't know. I, maybe I was 10. Eh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the uh, Smoky Mountains. And so that's very, very a lot of that Southern draw out there. Mm-hmm. And I guess I started talking like that and my sisters would like tease me all the time. Like I would be somewhere and I don't even realize I was doing it. Yeah. And they would just. Stop talking like that. You're not from around here. Oh, my goodness. That would so embarrass me. Well, it's so interesting because we always do pick up the like speech, like inflections of the people that we're around. So Mm -hmm. like I have a friend I went to high school with. Her name's Jamie. And she went uh, she's living in the UK now. And so when I last spoke to her, it's been it's been a while, Jamie, if you're listening, if you're ever listening. But when I last spoke to her, she has like a combination accent. She has a combination American and British. Wow. So it's not quite either, but it has like it's different from when I went to high school with her. 
but it's not quite British. It's it's interesting. Oh, Jamie, can we have you on the podcast? Yeah. I just want to sit and talk to you just to make you say thanks. No, but you don't even realize it's happening. It happened the same thing like when I was a camp counselor in Pennsylvania and we had a lot of Australians there. Oh. And over the summer, their like, thick Australian accent would really disappear and uh, become like more Americanized. Hmm. And then like I was friends with one. So I spoke to him a little while later and he was back in Australia for like three or four years, three or four months. Mm-hmm. And it came back like full on thick. Uh, wow. Couldn't understand him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I no. was just like kind of So you that. just adopt to where you are. So no shame in going back to the Southern, Southern accent when you. Yeah. I wonder it's if I've lost some of that since I moved out here. But. It's totally interesting. Anyways, <laughs> today. So back to the podcast. <laughs> having nothing to do with anything whatsoever. Um, so we really love to hear from you and we like to hear like ideas for episodes to do and struggles and challenges that you're having. Uh, and if you have any of those and you're listening right now and you're like, hmm, I would really like a podcast episode on this topic, you can email us hello at noguiltmom.com. And our podcast episode today is one of those emails that we got. Yes, we actually, like, a listener wrote in and requested a resource. We were able to locate one, and here you go. Yeah, so this was from Catherine. She said, if sometime in the far-off future you could host a podcast on parenting while your spouse is away more than 60 to 100% of the year and how to balance life, I would be forever grateful. Um, And also how parents in similar situations, not in similar situations, and she's particularly talking about military deployment, uh, can still talk to us without feeling weird since they know the parenting loads are a little imbalanced at times. This is a common occurrence and leads to unnecessary and unwanted isolation. Which has got to be hard with COVID. It's got to be hard. And it's something that I never realized too with military families. Uh, and we delve into a lot in this episode. Our guest is Lauren Tam. She is the founder of The Military Wife and Mom. And she's also a language of listening pa- master parent coach and creator of Raising Little Listeners, a language of listening course for parents of toddlers through school age kids. And we ask her all the questions. And she's so open and uh, really honest about the isolation that military families feel, uh, especially when they move into civilian neighborhoods where people aren't uh, really familiar with the lifestyle and really know how to like welcome people in. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Lauren Tan. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm pretty excited to get to talk with you guys today. 
I'm so, so thankful that you agreed to come on with us because we got that email from a listener who is spouse is away and deployed for like 60 to 100% of time during the year. And she just feels really isolated and not knowing how to balance life as a single parent during that time while your spouse is doing something like that potentially puts them in danger as well. So you're, you're a busy mom. Tell us a little bit about you and your story. Sure. So I met my husband in the Midwest and he was in the military and we were long distance for years. Eventually I moved down there to North Carolina where he was stationed at the time. And about a year or so after that, we married and started our family. And I was an ICU nurse at the time. I worked at the bedside as an ICU nurse for over eight years. And after I had my son and became a parent, my husband was gone all the time and it just felt too demanding to continue working these 12 hour shifts. And often as a nurse, when you go to work at a new job, you work the night shift. So you need childcare at night and during the day so that you can sleep. And it just felt very overwhelming, this idea. And so I left my job and had a really hard time sitting still at home. (laughs) And so I ended up creating military wife and mom to give myself a purpose, something to focus on, to pour my energy into beyond just being at home with a six month old, which as you can imagine is just like wild party every day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I could totally relate. Like I started no guilt mom for the same reason. I quit my job as a teacher because I had a little one at home. It wasn't really that my spouse was out like and deployed though. It wasn't like I still had support here at home, but I just couldn't handle everything. And you're bored and you need that outlet to reach out to people. And so, you know, you start, you start a blog. Absolutely. And I just poured a lot of time into it and it started growing and I enjoyed being able to give a voice to reality and authenticity of parenting and military life. I often find that's a side that's lacking this idea that even now where I'm at as a parent coach, that I'm human. I still yell at my kids. I still have days where I'm really struggling. My kids still do things that are very annoying and irritating because we're all human and trying to share that aspect with everyone, knowing that even when you have all these tools in place, that you're still going to have some hard days. And that's the real part of it. And being able to share that, I think has been refreshing for myself and hopefully refreshing for readers. But now here I am, military wife and mom, six or seven years old. And I am now a parent coach and continue to write for the site. And that's where I'm at today. Awesome. Yeah, I think I love the authenticity because also it makes people feel like they're not alone. Right. It's like that dirty little secret. We all like to present things so well. I've I've got it together. I gave my kid choices. And then we all have those moments where, you know, things just become overwhelming. They do. And and like you just said, we're human. And it's so great to, to realize that other people experience that we all have our moments. Definitely. 
Hey all, it is Joanne and Brie here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So what's been your biggest challenge as a mom to two little ones when your spouse is deployed? <laughs> You're like, where do I start? It's a lot. <laughs> sure. I think the biggest challenge is that there's no way to anticipate that on Wednesday at 2.30 in the afternoon, you're going to be at your limit for whatever reason that day. And you're not going to have something in place to relieve yourself. There's no partner there to call and say, Hey, I'm about to lose it. You need to get home as soon as possible (laughs) so that the children are still alive. (laughs) Uh, When you have a spouse that's home, you have this ability to on short notice, go to them and say, Hey, uh, I really need to trade, or I just need a break. And you don't know that that's going to happen next Friday at eight 30 when you know, you just had it with your toddler crying about the red cup for the hundredth time. And you just can't be there and go into it with them anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the hardest part. Not having that, that tap out. You don't have a tap out. Right. Exactly. You can do all these things, right. But you still don't get that tap out that you normally would have when they're there. 
When I was going through the blog, there was a post that I read, 10 things not to say to a military oh, yeah. <laughs> spouse or something. And it said, my spouse's deployment is not the same thing as your husband going on a fishing trip. Right. And I was like, okay, so does that mean I can't ask what it's like for the people that have a spouse that travels a ton and is never there? Is that insulting to say them? Because I mean, I know it's not a combat zone, but the, the loneliness and feeling isolated is similar. So... Yeah, I think that, you know, a military spouse isn't insulted by someone who has their spouse gone 60% of the time. It's when someone's trying to equate a hobby to going into combat. (laughs) Is your is your husband away right now? No, he's been home for like almost four years now. Almost four years. Is there any plans in the future for him to be deployed? Or like, how does that work? No, not at this point. I mean, for 10 years, the first 10 years of our relationship, he was gone 50% of the time. Yeah. And so then when we moved here, he was home. And then he was like coming home for lunch while I was blogging and cooking bacon. And I was like, why are you here? (laughs) (laughs) So now, you know, we're kind of out of that phase. Plus, like I reckon Afghanistan, they're deploying there still, but not at the level that it was before. And so plus, like the longer you're in, he's in a more leadership role now. They just Mm -hmm. don't utilize people in his role to necessarily go overseas to do stuff. So right now you're in Southern California. Mm -hmm. How often do you have to move? Well, typically in the Marine Corps, it's about every three years. Air Force is worse. Air Force is like every two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we've been here for almost four. And I think by the time we leave, it'll be almost five, which is unusual. But we aren't really in a desirable location. (laughs) We're in the high desert. Oh, oh, are you uh, 29 Palms, like around that area? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That'd be, that's very different than being like Oceanside. Right. <laughs> like, California. Yay. It's like, I look to the left. There's nothing. I look to the right. There's nothing. So, right. Well, there's a tumbleweed. That, yeah. <laughs> tumbleweed. Yeah. So when you have to move that often, how hard is it to make connections with other families? If you're living on base or in a military dense area, it isn't hard. And when it is hard is when you're living with a civilian population, because most people who are in their neighborhoods already have their circle of friends and they aren't always interested in welcoming somebody new into that. So I think that's when it gets harder is when you're more disconnected because military, like we're all in the same situation. We are craving speed dating friendship wise, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really easy, I think, on base or in an area where there's just a ton of military people. But it's harder among civilians where they don't exactly understand the lifestyle or... Sure. Or they may not even realize it. Like, how do you... Hi, I'm in the military. Or they may not be particularly interested in understanding it either because it's like, well, why do I want to be friends with that person? Because they're just going to move in a couple of years. Like that would be really hard. So that hasn't been my experience personally, because we've always lived close to base, but I know many people who've experienced that, or even like someone I knew went to a church and they like created a Bible study just for the military spouses in their church. And they didn't incorporate them into their regular women's study, which I thought found very odd. But she was just telling me about it. Like that was her experience of them sort of trying to like push, keep them in their little box, (laughs) you know? So you're in your experience and what you've heard from other people is people tend to put military families into like buckets and kind of separate it. Yeah. 
And I think ones who sometimes have it the hardest are the National Guard spouses because they're living in regular life with a service member who's gone two weekends a month and then deploys also. And there's no support. Like you don't even live near a base where you can access a lot of those resources. And that makes it pretty hard for them. And they're amongst civilians who that's when they, I think they probably encounter the comparison of the fishing trip or perhaps even a two day work trip to this six or seven months deployment that's coming up kind of thing. And that can be really isolating for them. What do you like wish people would do when there's a military family in the neighborhood? How do you wish people would approach the situation? To assume that they're never going to ask for help, even though they need it. Oh, <laughs> um, they, I think military families in general have a mentality that I won't ask for help unless literally the whole house is engulfed in flames. And they're just self-sufficient, do it on my own, try not to complain about it. Because if you complain, people are going to complain that you're complaining or kind of shame you for complaining. And so instead of saying, let me know if you need anything, change that to, I'm going to cook you dinner this week and drop it off. What night would work for you? Or I'd love to watch your kids for three hours this month. Give me a date in the next you know, couple weeks that will work for you and I'll pencil it in. And just to assume that they want help and presented in that way. And then worst case scenario, they can really push you away and say, you know, no, I'm good. I don't need that. Instead of waiting for them to tell you because they never will. Yeah. And that I think that's really great advice because when you're offered help, you assume that people are doing it just to be nice and you graciously say, oh, no, thank you. I'm okay. But when you ask in that way, being like, I am going to help you. You just need to pick the time. I think that makes people more accepting to the help. And it's a, it's a great way to frame the question. It definitely puts you in a spot where it, by saying no, it's being. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, you're the jerk. You're yeah. like, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, I really can't say no. That's being rude. <laughs> but I think like people are very resistant on accepting help because like they don't want to put people out. You don't want to put people out. You don't want to like assume that they they actually have the time to help you, even though they're saying I want to help you. I love it. Right. I love that. You have some tips about how people can really thrive and survive when their spouse is away. And one of those you said is putting systems into place. Tell us about that. This idea that in order to be able to really focus on your kids and be in the present moment with them, there's a lot of things that you can take off your plate and not have to worry about. So the first thing I usually recommend is to try to get a mother's helper, which is to get a tween, maybe 11 or 12 years old to come to your house and play with your kids while you get things done. And you can get things done so much faster when you have a teen or a tween. Now you can pay them a really low hourly rate, but in many situations, especially if you go through a church or ask anyone who might have a child who's working on community service, they will come for free and do that as community service to your family for, doesn't have to be a lot. It could be a couple hours a week to kind of get things off your plate. And then there's more obvious things like automating your toilet paper and paper towel deliveries from Amazon using subscribe and save. Yay, Amazon. You do that, Joanna. I, I am very jealous of it. I think it's brilliant. I don't know why I haven't done it myself. Lauren, that is so simple and yet so easily achievable. Right. I mean, there's no reason why you should have to go to the store with two young children 
and be worrying about hauling a giant thing in toilet paper around with you. Right. <laughs> that sounds like a really easy thing to do. You got a toddler under your arm, like a football, and then the toilet paper is here. Oh wait, you got like eight other grocery bags, scary. And then there's a lot of routines in the home that I would put in place. Things like independent playtime where they're learn to play by themselves for an hour in their room and strategically tying that to when you may do your screen time, which may come after independent playtime. And there all of a sudden you have two hour chunk of time that you can read a book or relax or, you know, get something done that's important to you. I love it. So get a mother's helper, automate some of those services, and then establish those routines. I think those are all wonderful systems to put in place. And as a mother of a tween, that would make a great mother's helper. I think that you could probably, <laughs> I think somebody could probably bribe my daughter with like, I'll buy you a Starbucks. Right. You I'll buy you, I'll buy you a Coke. Be, oh my God. That is genius. Oh my yeah. Or even bribe her with a $5 Starbucks gift card right? or something, you know, and then she can go get her drink on her own. Yes. Gosh, I might just post on Facebook. I'm like, who needs a tween for mother's helper? I love that term, the mother's helper. I hadn't thought of that, but that's brilliant. And you know what? I remember when I first started babysitting, you know, way back in the day, that's what I started with was I had a neighbor across Mm. the street and I would come over and help out while she did some stuff around the house and had her two littles. So yeah, that's awesome. That's brilliant. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Systems are important, but you also say that you need some boundaries. Yeah. When your child is crying, for example, you may feel this 
compelling need to like do something about it, right? Because kids are supposed to be calm and like emotionally put together, right? <laughs> or something that's, yeah. <laughs> right, Brie and I you are think, going like, oh. You, you think that in your head, but at the same time, the other part of your head is like, okay, that is just crazy. <laughs> that's just crazy. Right. When have you ever seen that happen? Never. Or here's another good one that small child is supposed to go and say an authentic apology to another child that something happened with at the playground. So really the idea of boundaries is to check in with yourself and here's how I do it. Any given moment that you're in during the day, you close your eyes and you say, am I okay with this? Am I not okay with this? And that's how you get to the conclusion of, is this a real boundary for you? Or is this just a should that you feel like you're supposed to do because that's what everybody else tells you to do. Those get me all the time. Those should do's. And I love practicing giving yourself permission for it. Because again, like what might be your boundary may not be the same boundary that your sister has or that your best friend has. And that's okay. Yeah. And here's my tip for when someone else doesn't have the same boundary as you, you either say, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with doing it the way I'm doing it. And it works for me. Just leave it at that. You don't have to have reasons for why your boundaries are the way they are. You can just simply say, because I'm okay with it. You don't have to have an explanation. I love it. Because sometimes when we say no, I don't know if this is conditioned in us as women or why we do this, but we feel like we have to give our complete like rationalization of why the no happens instead of just saying no. I do that all the time. I don't need a, yeah, there's always a 20 page reason for it. Yeah. Even if I just keep giving the same reason over and over and over, because I have to keep saying it until you go, oh, you're right. Even though I don't need somebody else to validate it. Yeah. It's this whole idea that it's not okay to want what you want unless there's 20 different reasons because you have all this other stuff that's going to make you busy. It's not okay just to say, I just don't want to. Right. Yes. So that brings us actually to your last tip you have about what you want matters too. Yeah, it's really easy to fall into this culture idea of we are going to do it all and we're going to be happy doing it. And that what you want matters too. We often forget that and are willing to be self-sacrificing. Oh, we'll just be self-sacrificing for 18 years until our kids leave the house and then I'll get to do what I want to do finally. (laughs) such a trap we fall into that we think to be like best mom possible. We have to give everything to our kids and not at all look at what we need and what we like deserve as humans. I think it's interesting because if you can take that step back and and look at yourself through your child's eyes when you're trying to do it all, lots of times that makes us more physically tired. We don't have as much patience. Our our social life friendships will suffer. Mm -hmm. Our relationship with our partner may even suffer. And is that what you want your child to have? Is that what you want your child to look at and go, that's what I want to be? No. Yeah. So it also shows your child, it models for them what it's like to have personal boundaries and how to set them. Here's a quick example. So my kids go up to their bedroom at seven o'clock. It's been like this pretty much their entire lives. And it's not because they actually need to go to sleep. It's because that is when I am going to focus on what I want and prioritize that what I want matters. And they don't have to go to sleep, but they can't stay downstairs. That's just one example of how you can carve out that time 
to focus on yourself too. It doesn't have to cost money and you don't have to have a sitter. You could do these things even when your partner isn't around. I, okay. So I am guilty of letting my kids like push bedtime a bit and not prioritizing that time for myself because they give you all these arguments in the moment. They're like, oh, well, we don't have to wake up because we're doing virtual schooling or, and you get stuck in that excuses. And again, rationalization, instead of just setting that boundary being like, okay, nope, this is my time. And you need to go upstairs now during my time. I need to do that. I'm smiling over here because my kids are 12 and 13. I, I have to go chase them down in the house and be like, talk to me. <laughs> so those boundaries are way out. There. Mm-mm. I'm like, <laughs> I have to, mine's flip flop. Will you come downstairs just for an hour and hang out with me? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, but yeah, I remember those. I, I do remember those days and it was important in our household. The kids went to bed at a, at a certain time and it was very similar to what you were saying, Lauren. Like it was just like, okay, you don't have to go to sleep. But you, you can't hang out here anymore. Mm-hmm. You'll get your story. You lay in bed. You can play with your toys as long as you're in bed. Right. I'm thinking closing time in my head. It is, yes. You don't have to go home, time. but you can't stay here. <laughs> That's right. That's the song I often reference. <laughs> so true. It's awesome that you literally just thought of that because I give that example. Yeah, so start playing it when it's time for bed. That's our new bedtime song. You know, you had the cleanup song. Now you have the closing time song for bedtime. So you've given us so many great tips that we can use to really take care of ourselves and make things run easier when we're doing it solo. Uh, We ask this of everybody. What is your favorite hack to making your kids more self-sufficient? Ooh, so visual aids, because as adults, we've had all these decades of experience with language proficiency. So we're very verbal. Kids are not in the way that they understand concepts or try to understand things or the way that they remember things is often visually triggered. So if you can create some sort of visual for a young child, right? I think that's what we're referring to with maybe self-sufficiency or I suppose even like teens, I'm not sure. But having those visual aids, routine reminders of helping a child or brushing teeth reminders, some sort of visual for them to be able to follow makes a really big difference because that's how their brain works. They have to see it. And I'll, and I'll tell you, teens teens do appreciate and or need that because they don't want to hear me nagging them 16 times. So Correct. Yeah. Right. I try to find them in forms of decoration. Like I have, a, I have a nice little sign in the bathroom that says, don't forget to flash. <laughs> <laughs> it's home decor visual aid. Yeah, I'm like, oh, isn't it pretty? If you read the sign all just the time, do it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, that's a really good point. Um, actually, because again, for teens, I actually have something like that set up at my house for my kids during the summer. They have a summer checklist they have to do, and I lost it this summer. And my kids mm. complained almost every week that they needed that checklist because I would come oh. home and I'd be like, did you do this? Did you do that? No. And I'll be like, guys, we've been doing this for four years now. <laughs> right. And they, they always would come back to you, but we used to have the list and, and I would check off the list every day. Thank so I think list. that's a really great point. No matter what the age is, it's very helpful. Definitely. So what is coming up for you that you're excited about Lauren? To focus on relaxing. And here's what I'll say about that. When we prioritize all these peer relationships or all of these things outside of our household, we deprioritize the strength of our relationship as a family unit. And if you're able to shift 
that focus a little bit and start prioritizing inwardly more. I think that's a really exciting thing to think about personally for me. (laughs) I want to read more books. I want to spend more time with my kids not being irritated and annoyed. And I want to play with my dog. I mean, this all sounds really trivial. It's all fun stuff though. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us. It has been such a pleasure. We've loved talking to you. Thank you for having me. First, I love meeting Lauren because I I don't remember if I said this in the episode, but like I've been following her for years and never got a chance to talk to her in person. Oh, wow. That's, you know, that's always really amazing when you have that person that you know from following them mm-hmm. and then you get to actually meet them. It, it's a little bit, I get a little starstruck when that's, that happens. That's one of the best <laughs> things about, I think, having a podcast is like we have those excuses now to go out and be like, hey, you want to be on a podcast? But really, I really want to meet you. I know, right? It's like there's so many people I could be like, hey, um, <clears throat> I know so-and-so. Yeah interviewed her for the podcast pretty awesome person we're friends we're friends now something that lauren though said in the episode was this conversation we had about boundaries and i have to admit like i am working on my boundaries because especially the ones where i need the free time i mean i was feeling this pinch the other day where i i worked all day and then i basically transitioned from working to being present at home even though like i work from home so that's an interesting transition right there no stop time between the two yeah there's no stop time but you shut your computer off and walked right into mom basically yeah so there is no time for me to shut off my brain whatsoever (laughs) none and I feel like they have to stay up like later so that I put in this like parenting and together time but I have no time for myself because as soon as they go to bed I am exhausted and I have to go to bed too that is important trying to find how to do that especially right now with yeah. the whole working from home situation trying to find that balance of where it's okay and not feeling guilty it's hard it's really hard because you tell your kids you need a break and they're like don't you love us mommy I'm like it's not about that <laughs> don't make me feel guilty so boundaries are hard so I really want to start making some boundaries and being like hey I'm gonna go up by myself and do this thing or I you guys both need to go to bed right now so I can have some time yeah yeah I with us when my kids were younger my ex he needed a lot of sleep time so our kids went to bed pretty early a lot earlier than most kids so you're right that those boundaries are very important because you need that time to be refreshed and Mm -hmm. be and be able to be there and trying to not only get those boundaries but not letting the guilt keep you from those boundaries exactly that is the the tricky part that's the hard thing so that's going to be a goal there yes a goal boundaries so remember the best mom is a happy mom take care of you and we'll talk to you next time thanks so much for stopping by It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking